Hello, listeners, and welcome to Season 3 of the Learn to Mediate Online podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and I'm a family law attorney, mediator, and online mediation expert. And in just the past year and a half during the pandemic, I've trained over 20,000 professionals in how to mediate online. I created the Learn to Mediate Online podcast to continue to support professionals in their legal and dispute resolution practices. And I'm very excited to bring you this new season with lots of expert tips and inside information so that you can continue to grow your practice and thrive in the new year. So I invite you to listen to today's podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and welcome to the first episode of 2022. I am so excited because we, and when I say we, I mean me and my very special guest, are going to be bringing you everything you need to know to start making your business successful in 2022. There's a reason we chose to launch this episode in the first week of January. So first, let me introduce you to my guest um, because I love everything about uh, his marketing. His name is Ronnie Deaver, and he's the founder of Noble Marketing, right? So right off the bat, I think he gets your attention. And when he says Noble Marketing, he truly means it. When we just were talking about what we were going to discuss in today's podcast episode, I said, you know, most of my guests want to keep their secret sauce to themselves and share just a few tips that are going to help my listeners. And he said, oh, no. I'm willing to share the secret sauce, Susan. I'm willing to give that inside information to your listeners. Um, So you are going to get some secret sauce today. We're diving into everything you need to know about Google. Uh, so that you can, as Ronnie says, for his lawyers and mediators that he helps with noble marketing, add five plus cases and 15,000 plus in revenue every month in three months guaranteed. So using what he's gonna be talking to you about today. So first off, let me say welcome to Ronnie and thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for Susan for that that wonderful (laughs) introduction. And as you said, I am pumped to share the black box of what goes into succeeding on Google. Yeah, I'm excited because I tell you, almost everyone is like, well, Susan, you know, I'm, I'm willing to share a few top tips but I don't want to dive into what I do. That's, you know, that's what I do. That's what I get paid to do. And no, you said right out, you said, oh no, I'm absolutely willing to be transparent. I'll share my fees um, and I'll share what you need to do to succeed on Google. Uh, But let's talk about why we're, we're honing in on Google because you're pretty specific about this when we were talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So to kind of, give some context real quick, if you don't mind. Um, when it comes to marketing, uh, there's there's basically two general broad categories uh, that a lawyer or mediator can kind of tap into, right? And there's two broad categories are what I call interruption-based marketing and what I call high-intent-based marketing. And the difference is, is interruption-based marketing is exactly what you say it sounds like, right? It's where you're putting money or effort into marketing yourselves in front of people when you're interrupting them. They're not expecting to see you, right? So nobody goes on Facebook looking to talk to a mediator, right? Like that's 
I, at least I don't know about you. I've never done that, right? <laughs> well, yes. you have. Susan, yes. you have. <laughs> but most it works people, for me. That, yeah. <laughs> most people aren't going on Facebook or driving down the road when they see a billboard, for example. They, they have no desire at that point in time, right, to find a lawyer or a mediator, okay? And so that type of marketing can absolutely work. I'm not saying it, you know, that, that it's a bad place to go, bad, you know, bad campaign to run. But what I am saying is that it's a lot of work. It's often very expensive. And you're, you're trying to convert somebody who doesn't already say they need something to needing something, right? So it's just, it's a harder campaign to run. And so what I end up focusing on and why I say, hey, Google is pretty much like, until you've maximized everything you can get out of Google, you've squeezed out all the lemon juice that you can get out of Google, you shouldn't be moving on anything else. And the reason for that is, is what I call high intent marketing. So high intent means where can you market yourself in front of somebody who intends to find you, right? They intend to hire a lawyer, right? And so you can imagine when somebody goes on Google and they say, I need a uh, mediation lawyer near me, right? Or they need a family lawyer, commercial lawyer, whatever they type in, right? And they say near me or my city, right? Well, that person in no unclear terms has raised their hand and said, I need you right now. I need to pay you money for this thing, right? And so it's people at the bottom of the funnel, right? And really your only options as a lawyer or a mediator is pretty much Google, right? And Google has some components. We'll talk about it, you know, different ways to market on it. But you really have Google. And you maybe know if, you know, technically Avo would be a higher intent platform because in some sense, people intend to interact with a lawyer or a mediator. But as you know, probably a lot of people on Avo, they're really just looking for free legal advice, right? They just want their questions answered. So it's more like they have a high intent to get their questions answered then they actually have a high intent to hire a lawyer or a mediator, right? So it's better than Facebook, but it's not as good as pretty much the only platform, Google, where you can pay money or put a bunch of effort in to put yourself in front of people raising their hand and saying, I need your services right now. So let me ask a question here that just occurs to me as, as you're speaking. So this... Um, I'm thinking the difference between the low intent and the high intent. Mm. Low intent are those things like, you know, I'm really active on social media. My listeners know that and all that's low intent, right? You're out there. Mm. You said Facebook. They're scrolling through a feed. They say, oh, Susan does this. And if they ever needed what Susan does, they might come to me, but they don't they're not there looking for me to do that for them. Whereas the the high intent is, is these people, it's kind of like the low hanging fruit, right? These are the people who are right there saying, I'm looking for someone who does what you do. Um, so if you are putting effort out there, trying to bring in those, those five new cases, those five new clients or that extra revenue, because face it, I mean, bottom line, we all are, are working for a living. Um, we need people. You can be, as I always say to my trainees at Most and Guthrie, you can be the best mediator in the world, but if you don't have people to work with, to mediate, to help resolve their dispute, you're not a mediator. You're not getting to do very much mediation and you're certainly not able to support yourself. So yeah. it sounds like as you and I are talking here for, as we go and my listeners are going into their new year, they can put some focus on, we'll call, just call it Google at, at large, and then we'll break it down into your two subcategories, but they can put time, money, focus, effort into Google and expect pretty quick results. Absolutely. And first of all, I love that you say low hanging fruit, 
Right. And I think what's most important is when people think of low hanging fruit, they tend to think there's only um, a few of those fruits. Right. And the, the cool thing here is that with Google, there's a lot of low hanging fruit. There are literally tens of thousands of people in your city searching for your services. Right. Or searching for this. So there's a lot of low hanging fruit and you probably haven't maximized it out yet. Right. Most people haven't. Right. And I find right. I've met one out of maybe every hundred lawyers who have truly actually maximized out their usage of Google. Right. So there's a lot of low hanging fruit. Uh, but as it relates to, you know, how quickly can you see results? I mean, there's a reason I offer a three month guarantee that people can be profitable on our campaigns or we work for free until they do. Right. And the reason I offer that is because it never happens. I'm always profitable in three months. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm totally honest. You're not giving away money. Right. I'm yeah. Or services. No. Right. No. I mean, it's real. Right. Because most marketers aren't willing to guarantee their results. But the reason it works so fast. Right. Especially is if you're willing to put the work into the platform. Right. If you're willing to put the work into Google. Right. And there's lots of different ways we'll break down and you know what that actually looks like later. But if you're willing to put the work or the money either way, Google is a platform where people want to trust you. They want to find you, right? And it's kind of, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot, you know, with Google is that like, it's kind of like building trust in the real world, except in the virtual world, right? And what I mean by that is when you put time, money, effort, consistently show up, build a good reputation, right? Things like reviews, right? You know, put a bunch of effort into it. You build up this trust, right? You build up this, this equity of authority on the internet, right? Just like you would in the real world that you get referrals. Right. And so it can become this source of leads and of cases very quickly if you put that effort in. So I, I see clients, you know, I had a client um, literally who's been with me for 45 days. And he called me last Friday uh, and he told me he signed $10,000 in new cases in just last week. Right. In just one week. And it all came from Google My Business. And I know that because I track every single call that he gets. Right. So I know where it came from. Right. So I, I see people consistently, if you're willing to put the work in, I'm going to keep saying that because the reason I'm willing, Susan, to give the black box here is at the end of the day, like I can tell you everything you need to do, but it's a lot of work. Right. But if you're willing to put that work into Google, it is a platform that will reward you with a lot of fruit. Right. And this guy, we put in that work. Right. And he got $10,000 in barely a week within 45 days of the campaign, more than paid off, more than profitable. <laughs> he paid me. Right. And we're only 45 days in. Right. He's still getting new calls. He's still getting new people and new clients who are interested in working with him. So absolutely is a platform that is both low hanging fruit as well as a platform that can bear fruit very, very quickly if you're willing to put in the work. Right. And, and actually, I want to hone in on that thing about the calls coming from Google My Business, because um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for everybody who's listening to follow. You sent me a video where you show, because you just mentioned you track those results. You show how in the back end of Google and how that all works, where you can actually see where those calls are coming from. And I think you use a, st there's a stat like 60 to 75% of, of calls. 60 to 80, yeah. Six, yeah, 60. I mean, huge. It's a huge number. Yeah. So it's actually, it's a cool story. I didn't know this, you know, two, three years ago, actually, three years ago is when I first started really tracking data to the level that I do. Right. And I had no idea what to expect. Right. But I put this tracking on. Right. And I, and I ended up at the time I was working with another agency and before I started my own. Right. And I got, I was fortunate that I got to put the data on about 120 different campaigns. Right. And so all types of law, all types of mediation, I touched it all. Right. 120 different campaigns. And I was blown away when I found out, right, when I when I tracked the source of where did every single one of these calls come from, 
right? It didn't matter how big the firm was. They could be a firm that had 20, 50 lawyers, right? Or if it was a firm that only had one lawyer. Every single time, 60 to 80% of their phone calls could be directly attributed to Google My Business. And to be clear, guys, we haven't really just, you know, discussed the terms here, but on Google, we've said Google up until now, there's there's kind of two main components of Google, which is Google ads, right? That's the bit you, you pay for, right? You see those ads at the top. Google My Business, that's the thing that when you do a search for like, I'll give you a restaurant example. If you've ever done a restaurant search, Italian near me, right? You know that map that shows up, right? Yes, that map pack? I do. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's Google My Business, right? And that, you know, it works just as well for Italian restaurants as it does for lawyers, right? So Google My Business, the map pack, those are all different words to describe the same thing. But functionally, Google can be divided into those two parts. And there's some, some subcategories within Google Ads, but really it's Google Ads and Google My Business. And, and technically, no, I don't talk about it anymore, but you have what's known as traditional organic SEO. So I guess it's technically it's three parts, but again, traditional organic SEO, that's always owned by Justia, Fine Law, all these big aggregators that you're you're never going to beat them, right? So like, I never even talk about them, right? Anybody who's like, you're going to rank number one for an organic search. And I'm like, no, you're not. Fine law spending a million dollars a year. You're not going to rank. What are you talking about? <laughs> You've got no <laughs> chance. No way, Jose. I don't care how much money you spend. You don't have it. You don't got a million dollars. <laughs> well, I love it. But so let's hone in on the ones where we can make a difference. Yeah. And you did just break it down. And the one that, you know, it seems like the you said the phone calls are coming from Google the My Business. Let's yeah. let's start with that. Google My Business. So you, you've referenced it. And by the way, I very well know Italian restaurants <laughs> in my area. Um, I live in New York or in uh, Chicago and, and Google restaurants constantly. I am a restaurant connoisseur. <laughs> I love them. Um, but let's, let's, so how would a mediator or attorney mediator or, you know, any, any of my, my listeners, how is Google my business useful to them? What's let's dive into your secret sauce. Let's get the black box out. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Google my business, this is really where that thing I was talking about earlier, that it's kind of the digital equivalent of the trust you build in real life, right? Um, you could literally convert it mentally if you wanted to. Like, you know, how, how do you get referrals in the real world? Well, you build up trust, you build up expertise, you consistently show up, you consistently do good work, people speak well of you, right? That's what you do in the real world to get referrals, right? In the digital world, it's the exact same thing, but applied digitally to the Google My Business platform, right? And so we can break that down. Well, first I want to talk about, well, the number one thing you can do is get reviews, okay? And reviews right? The reason they're so important is one, they're that trust factor we talked about, right? That's the thing where, you know, people are like, does this person actually do good work? Do people speak well of them, right? But what you don't know is beyond how good it looks, reviews actually attribute to about 35%, 35% of the entire ranking algorithm to show up on Google My Business, right? So if you want to show up in the top three of Google My Business results, right? 35% of that can be directly attributed to reviews. Now I'm gonna put that another way, and this is where it gets crazy. I did that math for you before, right? Where I tracked everything. And I said 60 to 80% of the calls came from Google My Business. Well, if 35% of your ranking is from reviews, then put another way, 22 to 28% of your calls every single month are directly attributed to the reviews you have on Google My Business. So on average, 25% of your phone calls, one fourth of your phone calls directly come from or attributed to or impacted by the reviews you get on Google My Business, right? So Which first is incredible. Off, I want I want to say thank you for doing the math because I was a lawyer for a reason because <laughs> I didn't want to do math. 
but I, I already hear the shuddering going on on the other end of the podcast earphones with my listeners <laughs> asking for reviews, asking yep. for recommendations. You know, it's it's one of those areas where people are, it really gives them the heebie-jeebies, and, but it needs to be done and it needs to be a part of the process. So how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I get two major complaints, right? And I have this conversation a lot, right? Because I work with a lot of lawyers and mediators and it, it comes up every time, right? And the two complaints I get are one, either, hey, I don't actually have enough people coming in, enough clients coming in to, to, to get enough reviews to, to matter, right? And then the second one is I feel uncomfortable asking, right? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address both of those separately. But let's talk about the, what I consider the easy one first, which is how do you handle um, not having enough clients, right? Or enough people to ask for reviews, okay? So the biggest myth, I've seen permeate, uh, especially with lawyers, but with any service-based industry, when it comes to reviews, is they believe they can only get reviews from paying clients, or worse, from clients who have already closed their case, right? So that you can only, you know, once you've finished everything, that's the only time you can ask for review. And that is just, it's just wholesale wrong. It's not true in the least, okay? The only requirement for asking for a review is that you have provided value to them in some form or fashion related to the service that you provide, okay? And so let me give you some examples of some really crafty ways you can play with this, okay? I had an estate planning lawyer, right, who one of the most common things they did is they would host a seminar, okay, to, at a nursing home for 60 different people in this nursing home. And they maybe got one or two clients out of it. And they're thrilled. They're like, yeah, I got one or two clients. It was totally worth the money. I spent an hour, you know, an hour and a half in a nursing home, got two clients. I just made 10 grand, Woo, right? <laughs> Whatever it was, they're thrilled. But I said, look, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. you want to make a lot more money than that? Ask the 58 other attendees who got value out of the hour and a half presentation you did to leave a review on Google My Business. And they're like, well, whatever. Okay, I'll try it. They went and did it. And they got 15 reviews after one session, 15 reviews in one session right? For something they were already doing, right? And there are, other, there are other crafty ways, right? How many consultations do you do in a month, right? So many, right? Well, if you spent time on that call, like most lawyers do, most of them, they answer a lot of questions. They give a lot of good advice. They give some good direction. Even if you're referring them out, you help them in some way, you help them think, you know, get their frame of mind and right. You did something, right? right. You provided value. Well, you can get easily somewhere between two to five extra reviews every month, Right, depending on how many you know consultations you take per month, by just getting in the habit of at the end of every consultation asking, "Hey, did you get value out of this call?" And they're going to say yes or no. If they say no, stop. Right, just be like, "Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> Move on." Right, but if, <laughs> but if they say yes, right, uh, many of them will. Right, uh, well then you get to say, "Great, hey, if you got value out of this, it really helped my small business out. If you could leave me a review on Google, if I sent you a link right now, would you mind leaving me a review on Google?" Right. And, and, and six out of 10 times, eight out of 10 times, some high percentage of the times they're going to be willing to leave that review. Right. Because you did help them. You answered their questions. Right. So if you don't have enough clients to ask. Right. Well, you certainly almost you know, probably have enough consultations to ask. And if you don't have enough consultations to ask, can you host an event? Right. Can you host your own local meetup? Can you get on a Facebook group? Can you go answer questions for people? Right. That's what I've done before. I've had people. Hey, you don't have enough people. That's fine. We're going to go join a Facebook group in your local community and volunteer to answer questions and just say, hey, if you got value out of this. Would you mind leaving me a review on Google, right? Like that's right. easy. Um, friends and family, right? As long as you gave legitimate feedback and advice. People ask you questions all the time, but if you gave legitimate <laughs> feedback and advice, ask for the review, right? Like, Every cocktail party you go to, something, and they find out what you do for a living. Have that quick link on your phone, right? I was like, just say. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, I know we just met and all. I appreciate that you, you know, your questions were good. I'm glad I could help. You know, if I send you this link, would you mind leaving me a review? Do it right there <laughs> on that darn in the event. Like right there. Well, that goes. So that goes to the second point, though. You're, we're talking about asking people. Yes. And I, the, the only thing I can say to that is it's a um, it's a very personal thing. It's a personal challenge that you're going to have to face within yourself that fundamentally, to some degree, you don't think you're worth it, that you don't think that you are worth somebody's time and that that people shouldn't think well of you. It's a very deep emotional issue. It's you're scared for some reason. It goes back for most people back to childhood. Right. Like there's a yeah. there's a reason for it. But to some degree, it's like it's like when people are uncomfortable with money, right? Like, why is it hard for you to increase your billing rate from two twenty five to three hundred dollars an hour? Because deep down somewhere, you don't think you're emotionally worth it, right? And so I can give you all the tips in the world, right? Oh, do it this way, do it that way. Here's the easy way. Send it in this text. Here's this format, and I can make it less stressful, absolutely, right? But at the end of the day, the only way you're going to get comfortable with it is building that sense of self-esteem that, hey, no, I am worth it. Hey, no, I I, I did good work here. I, I I helped this person. I, this is worth it. This is safe. This is okay. This is fine, right? I have one attorney now, right, who like, she couldn't respect her time. She couldn't. She, she'd get on every call. She'd say it's 30 minutes and then an hour in, she'd feel disgruntled and annoyed that she just wasted an hour. So she, she almost destroyed her business because she stopped doing consultations. She said she was going to only do paid consultations, but she didn't have the lead flow for that, right? But she didn't want to, you know, give out her time for free anymore. So she thought the only answer was to go to paid. And sure, yeah, it reduces it, <laughs> but right. it also reduces your client base, right? Yeah. And, and so I was able to coach her and say, look, this is a personal thing. You got to look into this. You got to respect your time. You got to value your time. You got to think it's worth it. And look, I don't know what the answer is for you because I don't know your personal journey and your life and your emotions. But you got to dig into this. You got to explore it. This is a this is a canary, right? This is a canary in the mind. The canary's dead, and it said there's a problem, right? Like you are not emotionally comfortable with valuing yourself and valuing your time and thinking you're worth this review or this time or any of it, right? And you've got to be willing to explore that if you're committed to succeeding in business, because business, as far as I've seen, is a reflection of how good you are, how capable you are, or how much you are growing as a person, right? If you want a lot of business success, choose to grow as a person, right? If you want average success, run away. Don't, you know, just keep yeah. blaming on others, blame it on something else. So how do you get over it personally? You gotta look and reflect, right? And you gotta take on that personal challenge and say, look, man, I'm committed. I wanna succeed. And reviews are that important. 25% of your phone calls every month with reviews. It's worth it to take on the personal challenge, but at the end of the day, it's a personal challenge. That reminds me of the first time I worked with a business coach, Kelly Townsend. She's out there. She's wonderful. But um, <laughs> Kelly, I mean, I thought business coach, right? We were going to dive into like, you know, doing a business tactics plan and, and operations. Get, exactly. <laughs> and instead it was like three months of taking out the head trash, right? Yep. You know, it, which oh, is I love very that much term, head trash. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And she's a big garbage lady, right? She's, she's in there to, to shovel that trash out of your head. So um, separate story and Kelly's going to be on the show sometime <laughs> soon. But so let's, I think I've probably jumped ahead because I get how important the recommendations are, yep. but Google my business. Where, where do they go? Where, where, where you're getting these recommendations, where is it going to? Yeah. So, it, you know, if you were logged in right now to your Google My Business listing. So first of all, if you don't have a Google My Business listing, make one, right? Yeah. You don't know how to do that. Honestly, kind of important. If you don't know how to do it, Google it up. There are literally a million guides, right? <laughs> I'm not going to say I have the best guide. There's 
people have plenty of these guides, okay? Go make your account, right? If you haven't already, if you don't know where it is, find it, log in. And what you're gonna do is on that homepage, right? If you haven't already set it up, you can set up what's known as a short name, right? Or a shortened URL version of your name, right? And they'll have that option there. You'll just find it and you click it, you name your thing, you know, some shortened version, you know, they have it like at business name, right? And it's not like a .com, it's just like a, it's like a username, right? right. Um, you set up that username and after you set that up, you refresh the page and then there's gonna be a button that says share your review form, right? Share your review link, okay? And it's this one single URL link that you can send to people, right? So you text them it, you email them, whatever have you, they leave that review and that goes on your Google My Business profile, right? And so there's lots of things that are really helpful about that. One, as I said, um, getting reviews matters, right? For multiple reasons. Um, there's two factors that, that I think people find interesting, which is that when it comes to that 35% of your ranking on Google My Business, right, coming from reviews, that right. gets divided into two parts, okay? One part of that is what's called review count, which means how many reviews do you have? Like there's a total number count, right? Some people have thousands of reviews. Some people have 10, right? Right. But then there's also review velocity, okay? And review velocity means how frequently are you getting reviews? How often are you getting reviews? So what I mean by that is Google would rather you get 12 reviews over 12 weeks. So one review per week, then they would rather you get 12 reviews all in one day, right? So they want consistency. Right. And of course, it's always good to get a bunch at a time. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all, but I am saying consistency is really valued. And so what a lot of lawyers do is they think about it once every six months. Right. And they get a big boost. They go get 10 reviews. Woo, right. And then they totally forget about it for six months. Right. And then what steadily happens is like that next month, their profile, it really goes up. Right. But then right. it steadily tracks down until the next time they want to do it and then it tracks back down right and so the consistency really matters for having a consistent lead flow right so when you ask for those reviews it goes in your google my business platform the review count matters the review velocity matters to the consistency and of course but you can't really control this what people say in those reviews actually helps a lot right so if google notices they're mentioning the words um family or mediation a bunch or commercial or real estate or uh, business law or whatever, if they say those words a lot, Google notices, right? So Google scans everything on those reviews, everything on that list, right? And re reviews are a part of that. So that's pretty much all there is about reviews. I mean, mostly it's just get in the habit of asking for the review every single time, right? Whether that's after the consultation, at the end of the case, at the end of a good event where you gave out free value, after you gave free advice to somebody, um, or at any positive moment within the case, right? Now that's a bit risky because technically, you know, good reviews can be edited afterwards. Say the case starts out going great, right? And at the end, it goes really bad. It can technically, that can technically happen. Uh, on the other hand though, very rarely do people remember they even left a review, right? <laughs> Unless they're very, very angry, at which point they probably would have left a bad review either way. <laughs> um, so it may still be worth it to even ask for the review in the middle of the case at a high point. But at the end of the day, like, it's just getting the habit of asking at every conceivable point and even asking multiple times to the same person. Cause a lot of times they're gonna ignore you, forget about it, not do it, right? But three times in, four times in, five times in, eventually they're like, yeah, sure, I'll leave your review. That's, I remember now, right? Like, it, right. There's, a, there's some statistic that it takes about seven times for somebody to really internalize a message, right? So some people will act on the first one, some will act on the third, but some won't even act until the seventh time you ask, right? right. Um, and so then, it, and then it's just kind of a game of, you know, diminishing returns of how many times do you ask to how many times do you get new reviews versus how many times do you get people you know, mad. You got you to find that balance for yourself. But the main advice is like get in the habit of asking every single time so that you can fill out that Google My Business profile and get that boosting to your overall rankings in your area. 
So beyond the recommendations, what else is important in Google My Business? And I'm just going to ask um, from a perspective of, um, because I know this has become an issue for a lot of my listeners, is I think for Google My Business, you need to have a terrestrial address, yet many of us are online, maybe nationwide or worldwide workers. So um, I let's go into you know what else you need in your Google My Business profile, so to speak. Yeah, so um, there's a lot we can talk about, like what can you do to, to rank better and be active? And that's the hard work I talked about, right? But I do want to address the thing you just mentioned, which is how do you handle the fact that you have to have a terrestrial address? There's two ways to handle that. Uh, one, you can do service-based, right? Which means you don't actually have to have a terrestrial location to serve a market area, okay? Now, there are some downsides to that. Um, I have found, and this is anecdotal data, I don't think it's technically been proven or anybody says anything about it, but I have found you tend to compete less strongly in a given market if you do not have a terrestrial uh, location. And that's because, as you can imagine, anybody could game the system to have as many quote-unquote service areas as they want, right? Um, yeah. and, 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 and that wouldn't be good for anybody, right? Uh, and so one of the best ways that I found to kind of get around that, quote-unquote, is um, you'd be surprised how willing... Uh, some other businesses in your market or in that market terrestrially uh, who aren't competitive are willing to make a deal with you to quote unquote rent out an office and a mailing address from their business. So for example, take a dentist office, right? And say they have another suite that's a storage room or another, or as a meet a conference room, right? And what I've right. had lawyers do is say, hey, go look, pay this guy a hundred bucks a month, 200 bucks a month, hell, 300 bucks a month, it's worth it, right? Go pay these guys 300 bucks a month, pull out a contract with them and say, look, I want to use this office maybe once a month, like have the contractability to be able to use it, you know, uh, with request at least X amount of number of days per month, like a minimum one per month, right? Like that's to be able to prove it to Google if you ever got asked, right? But at least one time per month, be able to use that physical address, right? From a dentist or any non-competitive business. Heck, you can do it from another lawyer who's just in a different type of law. Like it doesn't matter, right? right? Anybody who has a, has a suite office that you can quote unquote rent or use, right? Uh, at any point, at some point in time on request uh, and can receive mail from, right? You can make a deal with them to pay them a hundred bucks a month. Or if you have a friend, you can do one buck a month, right? You set up some sort of financial exchange made, right? To be able to prove to Google that, no, this is a real agreement, right? Um, and then you can send mail to there and you can verify verify your location there, right? And if you do all your, your consultations online or via Zoom, well, it doesn't really matter. No one's ever going to go visit it. But in the rare event that Google's suspended or checked on you, you can say, no, this is a real office. Here's my real contractual agreement. I do, in fact, have the right to be here. If I had an in-person meeting, I could, in fact, bring them here to this conference room, which does exist. Here are the photos. It is real, right? Because it does exist, right? And you can do that fairly cheaply and still have that terrestrial address. So it, it, it takes a bit of work. Again, work. But you can do it uh, even if you're a fully virtual uh, business. Okay. So that's a good point because I run into that issue quite often. But let's um, let's go um, into what we can do to maximize um, the other areas of Google My Business. And then I'm going to suggest, because we're running close to the end of the time for the episode, that we make this a special double episode, everybody, for the beginning of the <laughs> year. Um, and we will come back in episode two on Thursday to talk about Google Ads. How does that sound? I mean, that sounds perfect. And forgive me for speaking long, but uh, when you reveal what's in the black box. <laughs> oh, no, we don't want to we don't want to hold back on that secret sauce. So that's why I'm saying <laughs> special double episode here. So let's talk a little bit more about maximizing the Google My Business. Yeah, nice. So after you, you know, I, I talk about a lot about like, you know, step-by-step step implementing, you know, what is the most effective things you can do first, right? And so that's why I started and I went so deeply into reviews. So I'm like, hey, if you do nothing else, 
that's going to be the biggest mover, right? right? So then like, what's the next biggest movers, right? And these are, you know, they kind of all come together as about the same level, but they're just kind of consistent effort, right? And so the things you can do in Google My Business is there's a function called posts, right? Which literally is just like making a social media post, right? On the platform. Okay. So it's, it's not that complicated. Make social media posts, a couple hundred words, throw that in there, right? Um, so make posts every single week, right? At least once per week is what I find. You can do more if you're really aggressive, but once per week is what I've really seen is like, beyond that, it's kind of diminishing returns. Like, is it helpful? Sure. But is it really worth it? Probably not. All right. Okay. So once a week minimum post on the platform. Okay. Usually you'll link to a blog post on your website and post an offer, post whatever you want. Think of it like a blog or, or like a Facebook post. It, it's not that complex. Second to that is upload photos. Now, this is where you might've heard some jargon for anybody listening of talking about things like geotagging, which means like specifically identifying which where this photo was taken or taking the photo outside of your office more than five miles away. So it shows that you're, I mean, you can do all that. I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't have an effect. It absolutely does. But I am going to tell you between doing that and doing nothing, you're much better off just posting a normal photo. Like just pull up your Google Drive, post a photo from your team once a week, right? A photo of you. Heck, at the end of the day, these people are trying to connect with a person. I have clients who post photos of them rock climbing right? That's fine, right? Like post photos of you, your team, your business, people in action, meeting with clients outside your office. It all matters. All that really matters is you're posting something, right? And if you can post videos, right? I mean, if you can, right, fill out the profile as much as you can. But again, I'm really going to just say photos are the most important, but videos is a nice bonus add-on if you're already making them. Do I think you should go make them just for Google? Probably not, right? (laughs) If you're doing it for YouTube, sure. But I was going to just say that because a lot of my, you know, I do five minute, 10 minute videos fairly often. Should they be loaded to YouTube and to Google My Business? If I recall, and I'm just kind of blanking here, but I think the last time I did this, um, because I don't have that many clients who actually upload videos. um, But when you do, I think you have like a limit of like 30 seconds, maybe 60 seconds. So what you do is you would cut a snippet, right, um, from one of your videos, right? And then you would upload that, right, uh, as often as you can or will. Right. Got it. So, That's me getting a little free marketing advice, everyone. <laughs> so absolutely. Repost it, take a snippet of it, throw it on there, absolutely use it. So posts, photos, videos, um, those are the kind of the big things you can do every week to stay active. Now, I didn't, one of the things I just realized I didn't cover is like at the end of the day, the basic years, I assume you will have filled out your profile fully. There's lots of guides on this, right? So what does that mean? That means filling out your your business information, location, phone number. Um, description of your business, uh, make sure you have um, your categories, add services. So there's a tab on Google My Business where you can set up your services. So you can say, like, say you do multiple different services. I would have one for each different one. So say you did, I know lawyers that do lots and lots of practice areas. And I know mediators who do lots and lots of practice areas, right? And so we'll say, okay, girl, then include all of them, right? In your services that you do family law, real estate law, commercial law, mediation, mediation in this situation, mediation to settle dispute, you know, whatever the different categories are, right? Like be as descriptive as you can, because this is like one of the most blunt ways to tell Google, this is what I do. Right. And there's no real limit. Like you can put as many services as you want. Right. So as long as it's a valid separate services. So like even in family law, you could technically group them and you would say family law. None of that. You would say divorce. Right. And then child custody and child support and spousal support. And you would break it and you break it all down, man. Break it down. (laughs) I have lived that world for 30 years. I know how to break that one down. Yes. Exactly. So fill out the profile fully with services, right? There's also categories. So you want to play around with your categories and make sure that your primary one, primary category is whatever brings in the most bread and butter, right? Whatever your money is. So for family lawyer, I never put family law firm as the primary uh, category. I put divorce lawyer. Divorce. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what I'm putting. 
And then I put family law in the subcategories, absolutely, right? But but the primary one needs to be your breadwinner, okay? Um, and so that's kind of all the things you would do to fill out your profile fully. And again, I may have missed a few tiny things. Google it, like how to set up your Google My Business profile fully. There's a mil million guides. I have an ebook on my website um, if you want to check it out. I will provide a link to that in the podcast links um, that covers uh, what you need to be thinking about. And I think gives a better guide, even links to another guide. Because I'm like, look, man, this is this is just basic stuff. Like, I'm not going to go break all this down. <laughs> well, a lot of people just need the basic stuff. So, and I think you've you've pointed out. So one thing, and, and this does go to what you said at the beginning of the episode, right? There, it, this is the low hanging fruit. This is one aspect of it. We're going to talk about Google ads in the second part of this. Um, two-part podcast episode, but it is time consuming and it is, you do need to be consistent. And that's what I heard very clearly from you is, yep. you know, there's a lot, it's, it's setting it up, which clearly takes time, but yep. then you don't, it's not set it and forget it, folks. This isn't like one of your late night infomercials. You nope. have to set it and don't forget it. Actually, one more thing I need to include about being active on Google My Business. Well, here's the thing is that nobody shows up on Google 100% of the time, right? Like you're never gonna own that spot, the top three spots 100% of the time, there's no way, right? So there's a concept called share of local voice, which means how often are you showing up? How much of the voice available? Say there's 100,000 searches. Of those 100,000 searches, how often do you show up in the top one, two or three spots? Now, likely you're maybe gonna have, for most firms, 0.5%, right? 1%, 10%, you know, if you're a really big firm, maybe 20, 30, 40%, right? but you never have 100% of that share of local voice, okay? Because Google is always switching people out, right? So if you do a search, you'll sometimes notice there's a guy that has a thousand reviews and the second place person is the person that has 10 reviews, right? And Google does that all the time, right? So being the number one most amount of reviews, all that, like that's not the only kind of name of the game, right? And so everything we've talked about so far, we've kind of, I'm breaking down to some categories here. We've talked about level one involvement with Google My Business, just basically just fill out your profile, be as, you know, have everything filled out, give all the information you can to Google. Level two, we talked about that consistency, right? Post photos, uh, post videos, uh, uh, be active on the platform every way you can, right? And uh, get reviews, et cetera, right? Like be active consistently every week. Here's the level three pro tip I want to give everyone that I have found makes the biggest difference, especially when you're trying to compete against those guys that have all the reviews and are really active with photos and, and videos and all that. Like the guys, the, the stars in your market, like how do you still compete against those guys when you're small, you don't have the budget, you're not the star, whatever, right? The way you can do that, there's one thing right now that I found is pretty untapped, technically two things that are pretty untapped that a lot of other lawyers aren't doing. And those two components are one of the ways that you can be even more niche active, right? And by niche, I mean hyper-specialized active on the platform that nobody else is doing is that every single month you can post your own questions on the platform. There's a Q&A platform on Google My Business. So you can post questions to yourself and then answer those questions. Right. And so I do say 10 a month. Right. I ask my clients them, but for them 10, 10 questions. Right. So if I have a, if I have a family lawyer or a family mediator, right, we have questions about divorce, questions about custody, questions about whatever. Right. And then what I do is I answer those questions on my own, right, with my own account. OK. And then what that does is, one, it makes Google think you're an expert because you just answered a bunch of questions related to your field. Right. In a very blunt way on the platform. But the second thing that's happening is really important is that I'm adding for every question 100 words of description and answer, right? That explains that I'm an expert. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about. I'm throwing in a bunch of other side keywords, right? So I'm talking about child custody. I'm talking about what goes into equitable, you know, parenting arrangements, parenting plans, and I'm, I'm putting all these other things into it, right? As I answer that question. And so here, I answer 20, 10 questions a month. 
I literally just added not only 120 questions that are very relevant to my service, but I added 12,000 words, 12,000 words to that profile bluntly on Google, not on my website, on right for Google to actually scan and then understand contextually how much of an expert you are. Right. So that's kind of the first component of level three. And the second one that I want to leave you guys off on that I think, again, it goes another high level is that, first of all, respond to every you know review you get. Right. That's kind of an obvious. But the thing you can do even further than that is never respond to review just saying thanks. Right. Like that's not bad. Like it's better than nothing. But if you're going to respond at all, always say thank you. Throw in a marketing value message with some kind of keywords. Right. And so what you do is you say like, hey. Thanks so much. We always strive to be excellent family lawyers who are on your side and care about blank, 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 and blank, right? Have any questions, please reach out to blank, blank, and blank, and we'll be sure that you got blank, blank, and blank. Like however you want to, you can word it in a bunch of different ways, but it's a massive opportunity for you to throw in not only a marketing message, but also a bunch of keywords, right? That says, yes, I am a family lawyer, or yes, I am a mediator, right? Or yes, I do do this. And yes, we always strive to do this and that, right? And whatever it is, it's another opportunity on that micro level to be more active, but also throw more keywords in there, right? As well as some of the marketing messages. So when you combine all three of those together, level one, fill out your profile fully, fully optimize it. Again, I have an ebook on my website that links to specifically within it, some really great guides. You can also just Google, Google my business optimization guides, plenty of those out there to how to fully fill out your profile, right? Level two, post photos, uh, post videos, uh, be active on the, the platform, make posts on the platform, right? Respond to reviews, at least a base level, right? Of just say thank you, right? And get reviews, right? <laughs> and then level, level three, the very nuanced level of post your own questions on the platform in the Q&A function, right? And answer those. I suggest at least 10 per month. So by the end of year, you have at least 120 questions and answers, which is incredible because it's 120 questions that prove you're an expert, right? And 12,000 words that helps Google understand contextually who you are, what you do, and how you help people, right? And so combine all three of those levels together and you will dominate Google My Business in your market. And again, the reason you compete against those guys who have more reviews or even against the other people in your market is because at the end of the day, if you're willing to do this work, you are doing way more work and way more effort than anybody else is putting into Google My Business, right? They may have, right? And then level level three, the very nuance, they maybe don't have photos or they don't have posts or they don't respond to the reviews or if they do, they're really lame responses, right? And they're definitely not usually answering questions and answers, right? They're just kind of, they answer questions as they come up. They're not proactively posting them, right? And so how do you compete against the big guys in your market, even when you're a smaller guy or have a much less reviews? Put more work in, right? Because the end of the day, if you put the work in, you build the trust, you build the authority, you prove to the digital world that you are a good brand to work with, and Google will reward you with all those low-hanging fruits and clients. And that's how I've seen people bring in ten, fifteen thousand dollars months in as little as three months. And it's the reason why I guarantee those results in anybody who works with me. Because the end of the day, I put in the work, and that work is rewarded by Google. I love it. You're going to get rewarded by Google. I mean, whoever thought that was going to happen in your life. So <laughs> I especially appreciate those insider tips. I'm going to go and practice a few of those myself. Um, I have a lot of questions I can ask myself. Uh, so go <laughs> go check my Google, my business in a little while, everyone. But we think, Ronnie, tell everybody how to get in touch with you, website. And then when we start up again on Thursday, everybody come back on Thursday and you're going to hear the second part of the low-hanging fruit, but a little bit more complicated. Um, we're going to dive into Google ads and everything that you ever wanted to know or needed to know from an insider who's willing to share the secret sauce, folks. Uh, but how do people get in touch with you, Ronnie? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, the best way to find, you know, general information about me is noblemarketing.co. So we'll have links to that, I assume, on the page. Uh, so that is N as in Nancy, O, uh, B as in bull, and then U-L-L marketing.co. I was really B as in bull. I'm like, we got <laughs> no bull. No. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. Yeah. But anyways, and it's .co, not .com. I do intend to acquire the .com. It's just very expensive. Yeah, been there. <laughs> And then if anybody wants to, I love talking to people. So at the end of the day, if you want to email me, and again, Susan, I'd really appreciate it if you, if you share my email. Uh, I don't mind that being public. It's rdiver at noblemarketing.co, right? And if you want to email me, if you want to talk to me, I'd love to set up some time. We can schedule some time. We can chat. And again, I'll, I'll speak as frankly as I do now. I'll look at what you're doing and I'll say, look, these are the three things I think you can do to get more cases coming in. And whether you do it with me, whether you do it with somebody else, whether you do it your, yourself, at the end of the day, I know it's just more work, right? And the more work you can put in, the more results you're going to get. And so I, I'd love to be as much help as I can be to anybody in your audience. So please reach out. Well, thank you so much. And I'm already looking forward to the next conversation. So we'll see you on Thursday, everybody. Thank you, Sue. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed the episode, please do me a favor and leave me a five-star review. It's the number one way that people find new podcasts. And so I really appreciate a review any feedback, you can get in touch with me at susan at mostonguthrie.com. If you'd like more information on my trainings, both as a mediator and online mediation, please visit our website at www.mostonguthrie.com. I'll see you next week.